If you're here, uh, take out your Bibles and open up to Luke chapter 1. We are looking at God's command, fear not. Why does God say that we don't need to be afraid? And I was thinking a little bit, what are some of the things that we normally need in place or normally need in order for us to not be afraid? Think about that for a moment. What, what are some of the things that you need in your life? I don't want to be afraid. So we start, we start looking for things. We start developing things. We start hoping things are in place so that we won't have this sense of fear. Anyone have anything in mind for that? Money? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes that's a good thing. It, you know, if you... Uh, Check your bank balance, and it's you see red numbers with a minus sign in front of it. You can get pretty anxious, right? Um, we like, you know, and likewise, when you're like, ooh, you know, there's, you know, there's a, a comma in there, and maybe even a couple of places to the left of that comma um, in my bank account. Hey, I, I feel like things are going well. Yeah, absolutely. What else comes to mind? Let's just kind of make this a question and answer out loud kind of thing. What else comes to mind? Things that need to be in place for us not to be afraid. Okay, thanks for going to religious answer, Faith. Yes, thank you very much. Faith, absolutely. We're going to talk about that today. Thank you. What else? What did you see? Okay, a plan. Did you read my sermon manuscript uh, before this, Martha? Uh, yeah, so today we're going to talk about a plan. And um, I think that's one of those things that we look to for a sense of peace, having a, a plan. And you don't have to think too long to think about um, all these Hollywood scripts, TV shows and, and movies. I think of the old A-Team show with George Pappard um, and his character... Um, leading the eight back in the 1980s. So if you're, you know, 30 or younger, forget it. You won't know what we're talking about. <laughs> and, and he had this catchphrase in the show. I love it when a plan comes to mind and, you know, whoo, okay, the A-team's not going to get captured this episode because he's got a plan. Um, we put plans in motion in, in order to have a sense of 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 peace and that things are under control. And today we're going to talk about God's plan. And I'm going to ask a question. Is God's plan a source of, source of comfort or is it a source of concern? And you may think, well, obviously it's a source of comfort, right? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So the scripture talks about uh, this plan of God, and he gives people hints of this plan, um, even in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we find out hints of this, this great plan of God who would seat one of the, the descendants of David on the throne, on his throne, who would reign forever and ever. And in the Old Testament, we, we have little hints of this plan and the message of a Messiah that God would send, who would set up his kingdom of righteousness and peace. There were even hints that this Messiah would be born of a virgin. There were hints that this Messiah would come from um, the, the, the town of David, of, of Bethlehem. And one has to think that as the angel greets Mary, I wonder if she starts rehearsing some of this great plan of God in her mind. Um, and we would think that uh, God's plan would be a source of comfort. Sometimes it may bring some concern. And so we're going to look at that this morning. And I want to look at, at four things about um, the plan of God that we see in this passage. And then we'll ask what we can make of these four things. So the first thing is this. God's plan begins with grace. And I want to look at Mary's fear in this, in this story because the angel tells her, do not be afraid, right? So there's some fear in Mary. Um, so let's assume that the fact that the angel Gabriel stood before her was, it was reason enough to be afraid, for her to be afraid, but that is not the source of her fear in this story. You know, we see so often an angel appearing before someone um, and that person just being terrified and, and, you know, and speechless and, what's going on? Um, We saw that last week when we looked at Zechariah and an angel, the same angel appearing uh, before him. And, um, So there isn't any reason to think that this occasion would be any different, that Mary wasn't somewhat startled or afraid because this angel was in front of her. But we have to look at the reason this story gives for Mary's fear. And so the angel appears in front of Mary, says to her in verse 28, uh, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now that word for highly favored is... Um, it is a unique word in the Bible. It appears here in one other place, and it is a very powerful word. It means God has bestowed abundant grace on you. He's given you abundant grace 
Mary. That's the, the word uh, for highly favored. And the, the angel says this to Mary. Let's talk about grace. Grace is God's favor, God's love that cannot be earned. You don't have to do anything to earn God's favor. And this is why so many of your Bible translations, or our Bible translations, um, have this verse as, you who are highly favored, because God loves her, without her doing anything to earn that. Okay, that's how the angel greets Mary, and you would think, well, that's, that's good news, right? I mean, I'd like to hear words like that. That's good news. And if I were to say, I want to think about this for a second. If I were to say that to you in a conversation, um, if I were to say to you, you are highly favored, you know, greetings, you're highly favored um, by God, I'm guessing that you would not be afraid of those words, right? If I were to say that to you, you wouldn't be afraid of those words. You might not be terribly comforted by those words either. You may, but you may not. Why? Because, well, I'm somewhat, in the grand scheme of things, I know I'm somewhat of a nobody, right? I'm just Pastor Greg. And Pastor Greg goes up to you and says, hey, you are highly favored by God. You know, that, that may be a little comforting, maybe not too much, because, hey, I'm kind of low on the spectrum of Christians who have lived um, in human history. But if someone a little closer to God, who may have slightly more access to the inside scoop, to the real truth, were to say this to you, you are highly favored. You might, you might treat that with a little, wow, I mean, what if an angel were to say that to you? You're highly favored. I think you would think that's pretty, that, that sounds like good news, right? I mean, that angels, he's, he knows the inside scoop from God. And you would treat that with, with real seriousness and receive that. Wow, it's great news. But that is not how Mary receives this, right? Instead, look at her response. Verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. Why did those words that you would receive as great news if an angel told that to you? Why did Mary receive those words with great trouble? By the way, when it says that Mary was greatly troubled, that's the same thing that is said about King Herod when he heard about the king of the Jews being born in Bethlehem. If you look back in Matthew chapter, was that one, two, says that he was greatly troubled when he heard that news. He did not receive that news as good news. So it's a, it's a troubling word, that word greatly troubled. Um, why would she be so troubled? See, Mary knows about this plan of God from the Old Testament, from her sacred scriptures. And could it be that she knew what you know when you start walking in faith with God, and that is that God makes claims on your life. The more that you walk with God, the more that you understand that God makes claims on your life, that her life really belongs to God, and she's not quite sure of the implications of that yet. See, sometimes the plan of God may come off 
as more of a concern. What is this going to require of me, Lord? And that's why I think it's so important to remember that as God reveals this plan of his, and then he starts to pull Mary into this plan of his, he begins with grace. Mary, don't worry, you are highly favored by God. So God's plan begins with grace. Two, God's plan includes you. So the question is, can we apply that great statement that the angel says to Mary about ourselves? You who are highly favored, can we apply that statement to ourselves? Or is that something that only applies to Mary and maybe a few others, a little higher up on the just the grand scheme of people of faith throughout human history. Are there some Christians that God favors, but others that he highly favors, in other words? Because maybe God reserves the roles that people play in his plan for the highly favored ones. Does that make sense? Maybe God enlists the highly favored ones to be significant in his plan. So what do you think? I mentioned that that word highly favored appears twice in the Bible. So let's look at the other time that it appears in the scriptures. It's in Hebrew. It's not in Hebrews. It's in Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to read verses or parts of verses 4 through 6. And the reason we have to read several verses is the apostle Paul wrote that. And he wrote in incredibly long Greek sentences. And so we have to like, get the beginning of this really long sentence and the end of this really long sentence. Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 6. For God chose us in him, in Christ, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And you can imagine that that word freely given there is the very same word that the angel speaks to Mary, you who are highly favored by God. And God freely gives the same abundant grace, bestows that abundant grace that you cannot earn, that Mary could not earn, just gives it to you. Oh, yes, indeed, you are highly favored. You're highly favored by God. Now, why did, why did God choose Mary? Probably for the same reason that God chose Moses, who said, God, I'm very slow to speak. Don't send me to be your spokesperson. And that's what God does, Spends, sends the person who is slow to speak to be his spokesperson. Probably for the same reason that God chose David, the youngest and the smallest of all of his brothers, to be this powerful warrior king of the Israelites. Probably for the same reason that God chose the 12 disciples even though many of them were just poor fishermen, because God likes to make his power and glory abundantly evident by using very just kind of common, run-of-the-mill people, just like your Pastor Greg. Common, run-of-the-mill, ordinary folks, just like you. Common, extraordinary, but hey, you know, we just go about our lives. And God surprises us by saying, I highly favor you. So God's plan includes you. 
Now, we often think of God's plan for our lives in very specific terms, don't we? We often think of God's plan in terms of occupation and location and even relation. We think of God's plan in terms of our occupation. God, what is your plan for me? What do you want me to do with my life? How, what, what's my career going to be? Or we think of God's plan in terms of location. God, where is your plan for me to live? Where, should, where am I going to go? Am I going to go to this city or this city? I don't know, God. What's your plan? Or even relation. God, who should I marry? I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking for your plan, God. Who do you want me to, 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 to get married to? We often think of God's terms in those very specific things. God's plan for you certainly does include those things. We can ask those things. And the way forward still may not be entirely clear. But one thing is for certain regarding God's plan. We can say this with full assurance. God's plan for you is Christ growing in you. Just like Christ promised to Mary, you're going to have a Savior growing in you. And God wants, now not done in the exactly same way, but Christ's character, Christ, the Spirit of Christ growing in you. That is God's plan for you. And then you are to show the compassion of Christ wherever you are. Just as Mary was going to be a part of this plan of God through the Messiah building up his kingdom, God wants to use you and the Messiah, the spirit of the Messiah in you to build up his kingdom. Putting this in another way, God's plan of establishing his kingdom of righteousness and peace and God's plan for you are not separate things. They are not separate plans. God's plan for you is embedded in his plan of building up his kingdom of righteousness in this world. So God's plan begins with grace. God's plan includes you. Three, God's plan comes with a promise, and we need a promise from God. Mary needed a promise from God. God's plan for her involved great risks, and it must have felt like great risks to her at the moment. You know, when you are, when you are married in today's time, when you, I'm sorry, when you are engaged in today's time, um, when an engagement is broken off today, you know, everyone could be sad, but it's not the same as if an engagement were broken in Mary and Joseph's day. Because in Mary and Joseph's day, uh, an engaged couple were treated very much as a married couple. It was a le- legally binding engagement uh, to become engaged, and that's, that's what they were. They were engaged, legally bound together. For Mary to be found with child before her marriage was consummated, there was great risk for her. She risked a destroyed reputation, uh, humiliation. She risked condemnation and rejection. See, Mary wasn't living in a big city. She couldn't get lost in the crowd. She was from a very small little village. There was no place for Mary to hide. People would either think she and Joseph didn't wait 
for the proper time to consummate their marriage. Or people would think, as they discovered Mary with child, that she had been unfaithful to Joseph. In which case, she would face public humiliation and even condemnation. She could be condemned and stoned because of her being with child before actually getting married to Joseph before the marriage was consummated. She also risked Joseph leaving her. She risked rejection. So can you imagine the cost of Mary's obedience at this moment? Very costly obedience. But the angel gives her a promise, doesn't he? God's plan includes a promise. And here's the promise that the angel gives to Mary. Verse 37, look at that. For no word from God will ever fail. And if you're looking at your Bible, you might have a different translation that has something like this. For nothing is impossible with God. Paraphrase, it means that we know that anything can happen with God in our life. If you think that you're at a dead end and there's no possible way forward that you can conceive, that you can imagine, it is possible with God. That is what the angel is saying here. But what God will do is linked with his word, his promise. That's why some of the translations have this as uh, no word from God will ever fail because what God does is linked with his word. It's linked to a promise And these words from God, these promises from God will not fail. So one one of the messages of the story is this. Watch what happens when the Holy Spirit works through a young girl who says yes. These promises that the word of God will not fail. Nothing is impossible with God. Just watch what will happen when the Holy Spirit uses a young girl who says yes. And I want you to imagine that same phrase, except for your name being in it. What, watch what happens when the Holy Spirit works through you when you say yes. Watch what will happen when the Holy Spirit works through Greg when he says yes. Put your name in that statement. That is one of the big messages of the story. Just watch what will happen when a person, when, what the Holy Spirit will do through a person who says yes to God. Watch what will happen. Mary says yes. She gives birth to the Savior. God's plan for you is for Christ to be formed in you so that you could live out the presence of Jesus Christ wherever you're at. Just watch what happens when the Holy Spirit takes your willing heart and says, yeah, I'm going to form Christ in you and you're going to share Christ with everyone around you and my kingdom will be built And fourth, God's plan requires faith. As I keep thinking about this conversation between Mary and and Gabriel, and how Mary says, how will this be? And the Holy Spirit, uh, the angel says, well, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and God's power will overshadow you, and you will call him Son of God. And I think about that conversation, and I think, okay, well, that about clears everything up, doesn't it, Mary? Yeah, just the Holy Spirit will come on you, and you know, nothing will be impossible for God, and you're going to call this baby of yours the Son of God. 
clear everything up for you, Mary? No, not in the least bit, right? She could be saying, yeah, it makes sense. No, it does not make sense. Um, (laughs) But then she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled in this lack of clarity that the angel leaves her with. Uh, Mary certainly did not understand exactly what all was going to happen. She just said yes to God working in her life. So there are times when you don't have a clear picture of the future. There are many times you don't have a clear picture of the future. And then you have to think, do you think God, that God's plan, do you really think that God's plan, how God will bring about his plan in your life and in the world, do you think that that plan would be so easy to get in our minds, so easy to grasp in our mind? Do you think the ways of God would be just be so simplistic, so easy that we could get our minds around it? Or do you think that God would use a little mystery? Does God want us to feel like we've got it all mastered? Or does God want us to feel like, oh, God, there is some mystery to you? And I don't have you mastered, and I don't have your ways mastered, but I'm still going to say yes. Our God is so big. Sometimes all we have is a promise. My spirit and power will be in you, and we have to just trust. So you may be wrestling with God's plans for your life this morning, right? You may have some disappointment, some confusion, some frustration over God's plans. A few weeks ago, someone thought of one of our church members, uh, Jack Christie. I'm going to invite Jack up um, and said, you know, Jack, you really need to share your story. He's got a great story of God's plans for him and how there was some wrestling with God's plans for him. Um, Jack, would you come up and just share a little bit about your story? Because... We can all connect with Jack's story. Good morning.
want to do it, which is a totally different situation. Uh, and then I also question prayer. Does it work? Does he hear us? Uh, the bottom line for me, I was done. I said, I'm done with you. Uh, if you can't help me, I, I'm not going to help you. So anyway, every day I drove back and forth right here in front of this church, taking my daughter to daycare. Uh, and I started reading the signs out there in front. And we didn't have that fancy sign that's out there now. It was It's the one where you actually had to change the letters yourself. Uh, I started reading the sign, and um, some of the uh, sermons started sounding interesting. And so one day, uh, I decided uh, that Katie and I were going to come to church, and I packed her up, and probably as the stones know, that you got to take half the house with you when you take a baby. So uh, anyway, we packed up, Katie and I came to church, and uh, I met the pastor, it was Pastor Roger then, I... That's the first time we'd been in the church. We hadn't gone here. We didn't know anything about it. And I guess the rest is history. We uh, are members now. My daughter was baptized here. Uh, you know, I play in the praise band. So the Lord didn't forsake me. He could have. He could have said, hey, you don't want me? I don't want you. But he didn't do that. He let me flounder around, and then finally he drew me back in. And I'm going to leave you with... Um, a couple Bible verses. It's Psalms thirty-four, eighteen it says, "The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit." And also in Psalms one forty-seven, three, He said, "He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds." A uh, couple things I want to speak about these verses. Neither of these verses say it's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's like with me, I had a one-year-old. I had to do diapers and bottles. And, you know, I can show you how to change a diaper while talking on the phone and driving. So, you know, so, it, you know, it's not going to be easy. Uh, it doesn't say that. The verse also doesn't say that you're going to forget. You're not going to forget it. It says he'll bind your wounds. If you broke your arm, you go to the hospital, you have it set, and it heals, and you get the cast off. But five years from now, you're going to know you broke your arm. So you're not going to forget. I think about uh, my wife, Katie's mother, a lot. and uh, So you're not going to forget. And the last thing is none of these verses say that you're going to understand. I may never understand why he took my wife. You know, I may never understand that. Why he took my daughter's mother and... You, did, you know, you may never know, but that's okay. The one of the things you need to remember is you've got to trust in God even though you may not understand the reason. You need to trust in him. So anyway, that's, that's all I got. Thank you very much for that reminder of this mixture of faith in the unknown and faith in God's promises. Uh, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And then hear the words of the angel Gabriel, who I think he knows the inside scoop, <laughs> who says, 
no word from God will ever fail. Is God close to you when your heart is broken and hurting? Yes, he is. Will he save those who are crushed in spirit? Yes, he will. Will we fully understand this mysterious plan of how God uses just ordinary people to build up his kingdom of righteousness and peace in the world and use difficult circumstances in our lives um, as, as a way to do that? No, we won't. But we have that promise. So the, the God's, uh, God acts in a way that requires faith from us. One more thought from this story. Uh, the word overshadow. The power of God will overshadow you. That's, that's a good word for, for us in describing what God wants to do through the Holy Spirit. He, he wants to take um, your life and make it into the sign of Jesus Christ's presence. John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb. Think of, think of that. The angel refers to that in the, in the story. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is pregnant with child. Mary comes to see Elizabeth, her cousin, shortly after this. And what happens? This unborn baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy because of the new unborn baby in Mary's womb. How can that happen? Well, we read about that last week. Luke 1 verse 15 says that John the Baptist, this little baby inside of Elizabeth, will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then John lived his life pointing to the presence of God. His life was overshadowed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he pointed to the presence of God. He said things like, I must decrease so that he can increase, and looks at at Jesus walking and says, Look, behold, he's the Lamb of God here to take away the sins of the world. And all he does is he points to the presence of Christ. And God wants to do that in our lives and in your life. He wants to overshadow you through the power of his Holy Spirit. so that you can be a sign of Jesus Christ's presence to the world. God's plan for you is to fill you with his spirit and have you point to Christ in some way. And maybe that way is you're just a continual witness of the faithfulness of God to your family, like Jack is to his daughter Katie. You're the continual witness of Jesus Christ's presence to your family. Maybe that's it. Or to those that you work with, or in how that you serve, you just do so in a way that's a continual witness of the presence of Christ. And at times it may not seem easy, and it wasn't easy for Mary. But remember, you are highly favored by God, and he has your life in his hand. And he's giving you his spirit and his power. And watch what happens when the Holy Spirit works through you when you say yes to God. Let's pray. Almighty Father, I don't I don't know if this I don't know if this sermon at all is something that removes our fear. I don't know. I hope so. Um not because of words that were spoken, but because of your Holy Spirit that is 
that is in us and that is giving us power. Um, and because we have this reality of your kingdom that is, that is under construction and we know it will come to fulfillment, your kingdom where people experience your full peace and presence. And one day we'll get to that point when Jesus is reigning um, in full and we experience just the benefits and the, the blessings of that eternal kingdom. And when I think about that, I think, yeah, I don't have any reason to be afraid. Lord, thank you that you reign now and you will reign in full. The consummation of your kingdom. You are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. And yet, you so highly favor us that you hold our life in your hands. And right now, we just lift up to you whatever fear that might be uh, in our hearts over your plan or what's going to happen in the future. And we just lift that little fear up to you. We lift that fear to the presence of our, our Savior Christ. And we want to hear your voice. And know that you draw close to the brokenhearted. And you do save. Thank you, Lord. Amen.